Jack Rizzo is calling me. Not the jerky boy, but the, uh, do you know Jack Rizzo? Oh, yeah. Who's that? That's another film character. Film lab. Yeah. Uh. Do people just call you? Oh, I know Jack. Are there yeah, just a million Metro, people around uh, town, like old yeah. guys that have your number, and they're just more like, people, I'm going to call Owen. More people are comfortable calling me than texting me, because I call for some reason. I'm a big I, caller. Yeah. I love the phone. But yeah, yeah, I get a lot of I get a lot of calls. Well, it's just re- easier. To well, this just also do it relates to the conversation we were having. Maybe it was before we started recording about being into old shit. Oh yeah, being being well, we a retro a grouch. Which I'm I stuck from time. Calling on the telephone is being into old shit now. That's old timey. But it's more it's more efficient. I agree. Well, some things Often. were just more efficient back then. The telephone. I mean, that's sort of you know it's using like, a needle to scratch a mark into a flat shellac platter. And, oh boy! And absorb yeah. the acoustic let's, frequencies um, wait, of a can, live band. Can, let's not can, alienate everyone. <laughs> okay, okay. We need to talk about the movie a little bit before we. Oh yeah, yeah. Jump into mm-hmm. thing. I agree with you. I, I watched yeah. it. I got so let's start over. Yeah, yeah. You are listening to the Screenslate Podcast. I'm your host, John Derringer, the editor and publisher of Screenslate. And for this episode, we are thrilled to be joined by the filmmaker and actor Owen Klein, director of the new film Funny Pages, which is opening this weekend at Film at Lincoln Center and the Angelica Film Center. Midway through the episode, we also call up the great comedy writer Adam Resnick, uh, probably best known for his work writing for The Late Night with David Letterman, co-creating the show Get a Life with Chris Elliott, and directing the film Cabin Boy, which we all love. We featured it before on Screen Slate. Great film. And if you cannot get enough of the Klein on Resnick action, Adam Resnick will be moderating a Q&A with Owen Klein at Film at Lincoln Center on Friday, August 26th at 6.15 p.m., so don't miss that. For the Screen Slate podcast is supported by listeners like you. Our Patreon is the primary form of support of not only our podcast, but also the entire Screen Slate operation. So if you use us for your repertory film listings, or you enjoy reading the write-ups that we publish on our site, or attending screenings that we put together, all of that is primarily sponsored by our Patreon. Screen Slate is a non-professional operation. It has been for the last 12 years, and we like to keep it uh, independent. So if you want to see it continue, support us at patreon.com slash screenslate. You also get access to bonus episodes. We have a really great bonus episode for this one where you can get way more with Owen Klein and Adam Resnick. We talk about 78s, Cats, Larry Sanders show, totally insane stuff. Uh, You're going to love it. There's all kinds of cool stuff. So if you throw us three, five, ten bucks a month, that's our primary form of paying writers, contributors, editors, everything we do. It's all community supported. So without further ado, here is our discussion with Owen Klein. Listener, you are listening to episode 12 of the Screen Slate podcast, season two. A baker's dozen. <laughs> when does season two oh, wait, no, start? That's the, what's a baker's season dozen? Two is starting is now. Baker's dozen. Wait, how wait. many is that? So the first season's eleven. Uh, start with this. Six. I don't know math. What? First season. I don't know is if a baker's dozen episodes? is six or twenty-four. First episode. You know, I'm not a fucking baker. I mean, the first season's how many episodes? It's thirteen. A baker's dozen. Oh, so uh, like yes, an it's extra twelve one plus one for right. the baker. Right. Something. There's an extra. This is just a normal dozen. It's season two because we took a break. Yeah. So there's eleven episodes. It's a dirty dozen. How about that? Movies. In the first season, there were. Movie talk. 
Here I mean, go. like, like the first, the first <laughs> season there's of Seinfeld. There's already five conversations going on I in know, this podcast. Yeah. It's like the first season of Seinfeld. There's not a doobie has, lit, and we're all fucking has like six episodes. <laughs> we got to whip this thing into shape. Okay, all, all right. right. That's not all online, everybody. Let's go. That's not talking. We got a right. podcast to record season here. Two. Tighten it up, kids. Welcome Told you to feels like a Friday. <laughs> Welcome to season two. Of the Screen Slate Podcast, episode 12. Baker's Dozen. I'm your host, John Derringer, <laughs> the regular editor dozen. of regular. Screen Slate. We've already broken the rule about not talking over each other. But it's John. <laughs> I love talking over John. <laughs> All right, it's your show. I'll let you... Hey, it, no, go ahead. We are also here with John Claxman. Uh, hi, I'm glad to be back. A uh, co-host of the show and archivist at Anthology Film Archives, filmmaker, actor, SAG, SAG eligible. eligible, SAG eligible actor. Maybe we'll get we into get that later. That. This season. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, like a whole episode arc. We are here with, series. We are here with filmmaker, writer, woman about town, Caroline Gollum, and Screen Slate author number forty. And I've known you since not SAG eligible. 10, 15 years? 10 it's, years? I was thinking about this earlier today. Years. I was recounting our first, our faded first meeting. Well, can we, can we say who this is? Well, yeah. Who is your <laughs> faded first meeting with? My friend, I guess you for many years. Me. You can intro me, sure. Owen Klein, everybody. Let me set the scene for you. It's probably 2010 or thereabouts. And I'm at a DIY venue on Bushwick Avenue called Vaudeville Park. Oh, wow. yeah, that was literally across the street literally. from Screenslate HQ number one. Yep. This is where we first met? This is where I first remember meeting you, but maybe you have I, a, I have a, a different memory. But you have a different memory? Yeah. <laughs> so here's how we met, as far as I remember. Andy was, like, having some kind of, like, hoot nanny at Vaudeville Park, and he asked me to come through, and at the time I had Andrew a, Lampert. Andrew Lampert, whose child you and I have both babysat also. Um, and he, your sister. And my sister, it. Jen, I know. And funny. I babysat it, I just said. Baby. Never call a person it. Unless they want to be. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Think about it. Yeah. Anyway, Vaudeville Park and Andy was like, come through and bring your banjo ukulele. And then you came through and you brought possibly a banjo or similar or something. Oh God, really? I was and he filmed banjo? something. There was an audience there and we were introduced. That's what I remember. I don't remember this at fucking all. That's wow. insane. I played banjo for Andy. It was the era when you played banjo. Did you ever well, play banjo? Owen Klein. Of course I played banjo. Then, then at must Owen have, that Klein. must have been it. I played the five string. I don't remember. Like Uncle Dave Macon. It was a weird scene. <laughs> yeah, it's it very dim scene. in my mind, but that's what I recall. I don't remember that at all. Big Rip Vaudeville Park. Yeah. I, I met you <laughs> for the first time. Not that this is interesting to anyone but you and me. Even in this room. I might but, not uh, no, I be think that interested in deepen in the screen slate lore. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, look. I met you, I think... When Andy Lampert did had some installation show, he had to do some video project, and he rented that fucking space on like eleventh and I don't remember this first, at all. And we he had a video camera, and I was doing shit with with uh, Steve Dalchinsky. I remember Steve. Yeah, may, pour, he rest. may his memory be a blessing. Pouring out for Steve Dalchinsky. Steve Dalchinsky. That's the first time I I feel like I met you. We all collaborated on it was like Andy through had to Andy do some though installation thing, and we just decided to sort of make a mess of this. And space that they'd given him. Andrew Lampert is like, when I think about the, and I wrote down a lot about this like Socratic relationship of mentor and mentee that happens in weird cultural spaces when you like something incredibly niche and old. Hmm. And Andy is like a junior version of that and, and like was that for me and maybe he was like that for you or like a scout in a way. Because you've I've always known you to be around a lot of older people and I also have been around a lot of weirder older people. He kind of set me on that but he's that good. guy I, I showed too, up to you know. the door of of anthology in like the summer of 
oh five or oh six, I think. I think oh five. And then about uh, how old were you then? Just to set fourteen, the... maybe. Okay. Fourteen. And I was just like kind of you know I played the banjo and was obsessed with uh, you know the Harry Smith Smithsonian yeah, set old time and, shit and the old time shit you yeah. know especially like anything you know any kind of like pre war hillbilly recording <laughs> was interesting to me. And Andy was like, had that in common, obviously. Andy and, loves that stuff. And, you know, I was just like aware that this guy was responsible for restoring the Kuchars and, you know, all of that, the stuff, the wonderful stuff that Andy's done. And, uh, like, I just, all I wanted was to work at this place. He said, okay, well, we'll set you, how about, you You know, we work with, you You, you work with uh, Robert Haller oh, in the library. Robert. And and you had no Another. clue who Robert Haller was. Yeah, yeah, but I mean... <laughs> or what so, you were like, getting yourself It was just like Andy's impish instinct to stick this kid <clears throat> up in the attic, in the you know, with, with its crazy collection. Yeah, yeah. And this guy who sat me down and explained who Jerome Hill was and actually had the sense to sort of like give me the whole lowdown of the history mm-hmm. of anthology. You so know, that was a real that was a real entry point for you, I'm assuming, into the... New York alternative film scene. If you were 14. Oh, no, no, no. That was the tip of the iceberg. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course. <laughs> if you were 14 and interning at the Anthology Film Archive. How many different iterations of Young Star-Eyed Weirdo have crossed the transom at Anthology, though? Like, it is, it's the romper room of avant-garde cinema and has been for mm-hmm. such a long time, you know? It's just, it's just like it tracks, there's like a whack job energy that yeah, attracts some of us. And, you Your know. film is like littered stem to stern with all of that stuff, and that's so much of my well, notes also, was about I that. I also stuff. noticed um, in your film, uh, Funny Pages. Coming soon. Yeah, yeah, we should mention uh, we're, yeah. we're <laughs> <laughs> the occasion of this conversation. I carpet bombed your fucking show, and I'm not I'm <laughs> no, just no, hurting myself totally cool. in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here to talk it's gonna about It's going to be the, great for your movie, Owen, trust Owen me. Owen Klein's live-action feature film debut, Funny Pages, which will be releasing very soon as of the, is it the 24th? Whatever comes out the, the Friday, 26th. You 26th. Can get it, you can get yeah. it at the Lincoln Center, Walter Reed Theater. You can get it at the Angelica Film Center. You can get it the on Walter Showtime. Wow. Showtime streaming. Wow. Of the, no, of, I don't, the, I don't, yeah. wait. of the two screens in New York where it's playing, which would you recommend seeing the film in? Probably, uh, I can't choose. Come on, that's They're not both fantastic. Yeah, you can't, you can't they are both fantastic question, yeah. screens. I'm just curious. They are both fantastic screens. I think any, any screen showing funny pages is, is, is a good uh, screen. It's a great film in any but, size. Um, well, what I was going to say, getting back to your favorite menu <laughs> choosing. I like <laughs> Before that I was interrupted when we had to yeah, announce. What I was going to say is I, I noticed and I respect that you thanked specifically anthology film archives in the credits of your film well when the movie was stalled we actually shot a scene in anthology that was cut where he goes to work at the comic store which is where he was headed at the beginning of the movie after this sort of sick Mm -hmm. accident happens but he goes to the comic store and he like throw he's like ah just give me a second he's like goes to the bathroom and throws up well of course, I shot it in the the, the, the upstairs anthology bathroom. That's a great a very bathroom. specific bathroom. Oh yeah. yeah, I spent a lot of time in that. Bathroom. Yeah, of course, well, this wait, ended up on the cutting room floor. But like you know, we had him plunging shit in that. He, there was like a nasty shit in that toilet. And I he actually, sort of has to like throw up, and it was really it was a little too scatological. Yeah, but I think we should roll I it back actually, for a minute because we have to yeah, we have to back, explain what the film is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For oh, yeah. Listeners, yeah. Not everyone is is bringing the knowledge of having <laughs> freshly watched it. Um, yeah, so could you tell us what Funny Pages is about? Fuck you, really? You want me to explain the movie? 
You watched it, motherfucker. I can't explain. I've been twisting this thing for six years. I don't know. I don't have any. Don't you kind of think it's ridiculous when you read something on Wikipedia and it's like it just like explains the movie in like layman's terms, but it's an insane movie. Well, what is that? What is the like one line, like poster Uh, summary that A twenty four wrote for you? A teenage cartoonist. Oh fuck! (laughs) It's something. I'm trying to remember what that line. I mean, well, I'm just not. It's good a coming at, of age story about a misfit teenage cartoonist in suburban New Jersey. There That's you go. Well, perfect. There you, yeah. go. you nailed it. There you, you go. Boom. It. That's all I need to know. The one that they had was good too. They said, you know, uh, he's like sort of uh, leaves the comfort of his suburban life in a in a quest for soul. So you've been making this film for for several years. Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah. Six okay, yeah, years, yeah. man. When did you start six making years. the film? And I, my question is, when did you start? How long did it take? And how much of it was done during COVID? Well, none of it was done during COVID. I started, I wrote this movie in like, I wrote versions of this movie between like 2012 and like 2015, I'd say. I'm just trying to get it to work on the page. And then around, I tried to raise money for it for years and nobody could get anyone to read it. And then about like 2017, 16 2016 I think like uh Josh appeared and people understood it Josh who Safty okay and um heard of him yeah yeah Josh Safty appeared and he uh was like uh very uh supportive of it you know mm-hmm. what I mean I took a little bit of haranguing to for him to read and focus on it. and then once he did he was like we want to produce this and I was thrilled you know and the brother um, Safty want to produce it yes Half yeah. of them. And then it turned out the other half did too, and we were good Perfect. to go. Perfect. You know what I mean? And then, uh, and then yeah, I mean, we developed the script and worked on that for a long time. It was about a year before I went and shot it. It was end of 2017 into early 2018. And we shot a bunch of stuff. We shot stuff in the basement. We shot a lot. And then it was sort of like, you know, just started, I started cutting together that stuff, figuring it out. I just kept playing with it ultimately. And, you know, like the producers were supportive of that. And so you went back of, and shot more. Yeah. I was just twisting it and turning it for a long time. And thankfully we had some money to shoot a little bit more and, uh, found, you know, I just found this, the tone. Once I kind of found like an hour tone and there was like an hour of the movie that was like, that had the same tone. And then I was like, all right, well I have to sort of stay with this and stay with the characters. Cause it sort of went, you know, in, in, in different directions and then shot a little bit more and found the right story for these particular characters. And, uh, was and that like, shooting was all still before COVID. No, well, yeah, but there were COVID stalled us for a second, you know, mm. well, actually more than a second, about two years, but, but, uh, it gave me more time to edit and just keep finding things and going and finding correlate, you know, like certain things in the movie piece together in a really interesting way where you go, I don't want to get too much into this, ruin the illusion, but like, you know, someone will enter a door or something and then you film, you know, like in the basement and then, you know, <laughs> was we couldn't get challenge? back in that basement. So there's like a terrifying room that we had to build, but it works, you know, it matches. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing when something match cuts like that. Was it a challenge um, getting everyone's uh, like physical appearance to match? Because, you know, you're working with some young actors and, you know, like Daniel, for instance, uh, is pretty young, Miles. Thank God they look um, the same. You know what I mean? I'd check yeah. them. I'd check them on a weekly basis. I'd come over and do sort of like a body, not like a, a body physical. check, but a face check. I'd do like a little, yeah, yeah, a little like, uh, you know, 
I do like a life mask on them. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Just you know, just to track the progression of each crease in these boys. <laughs> so you faces. were you really were working on this for that many years? All these weekly oh, yeah. body no, checks. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Well, we did we did the body checks, but also we did like <laughs> camera tests and stuff. And you know, sixteen millimeter. Sixteen. Yeah, we shot super sixteen. Yeah, and um, yeah, we did some like I mean, we did some camera tests before we went back and shot and just figured out the right lenses and the right angles and the right everything and you know yeah i don't want to spoil too much of the magic yeah and so um can you talk about your interest in comics i mean because you're the film seems like rooted in like a incredible passion for the art of graphic storytelling it's funny caroline and i that was also something that early on we shared because you had you had dated you had gone on a date with Joe Matt. When oh, you lived in how do you go on a date with sorry, Joe Matt? Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm blowing up your spot. I'm I sorry. I never went on a date. You with hung Joe. out with Joe Matt. We were friendly. All right, all right. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I t- turned I my comic interest into you, you dating Joe Matt <laughs> for lack of. But that's trying. some funny. That's some funny stuff. I, whatever. You hung out with Joe Matt. Yeah, sure. I mean, Joe Matt is kind of like a, a underground le- comics a legend. legendary, like legendary loafer, Joe Matt. Uh, yeah, but uh, did you, and you know, an old time collecty guy. But back to your film, collecty. Enough about my life. Back to your movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, what was your introduction to this world? Um, I guess you know, like as a kid, I wanted to do like newspaper comics. You know what I mean? I wanted something that like ran next to Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield and you know, uh, Boner's Ark or uh, one of these. <laughs> you remember Boner's Ark? I remember there was a thing called Boner. What about Wizard of Id? Or uh, I remember oh, Wizard yeah, of terrible yeah, yeah. comic. I liked Mutts. Kathy. Mutz was a little Mutz. soft for me. It was like kind of like it was kind of like a wannabe peanuts. I don't. I don't want to throw down. I like Mutz the guy. style. I, like I like it too. It is actually gen, it's very, very gentle. like crazy and Ignatz. You know. Yeah, yeah it's very gentle. Stuff. It's cute. I like it. Yeah. So you were like drawing and. Yeah, I I just had like a you know I had this this guy Bruce Blitz how to draw the Bruce Blitz cartoon style or whatever in the book. You know, I got it at the book fair when I was a kid and mm-hmm. had like the dial where it has all the different goofy kind of eyes you can have and all the different goofy noses and all the, pa- you can do a pear shaped face. You can do a triangle face. You can give them curly hair. You can do that. And I just was like mixing and matching, mixing and matching, trying to figure out characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Well, what's going to work for like a stuffed animal that some kid would want or like a, you know, like I was pretty crass. Oh, you were kid. thinking in like, like commercial Yeah, term. no, I was like, like yeah, you gonna, know, like yeah. how do I get this to be like a clinger? Like the way like people have like, Garfield with the suction cups in the baby on board, you know, like yeah, to the yeah, baby totally. on board yeah, in the back yeah. of the car or like, uh, you know, um, you're already thinking that? merch. Yeah. Yeah. Did well, you, no, did you, you think you, about you, story you, at well, all? I heard <laughs> those things when you draw characters or something, it's like you want, you're like, is this going to translate to a toy? You know what I mean? It is part of like character design in a weird way. A kid's going to okay. want to buy it. I don't know that. What do, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's I, 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 good. I There's it. toys associated with like every comic going back. I to was the a shrewd child. There's always toys. I was a shrewd child for some reason, and I wanted to do this. And I, I was like determined to to yeah. I had all these different characters, to, whatever. To be a comic strip artist. Yeah, I would like. I had a Xerox machine. You know, my parents Xerox machine. I would shrink down. You know, my strip. You'd draw it real big, three panels, mm-hmm. big joke at the end. Shrink it down. Do you remember any of your early comics? Did you have any like fun premises or characters? Yeah, one of them was in the movie for a split second. There's like a comic I drew called Bill and Stan. It's like a father and son Mm. comic, Mm -hmm. like a nine, you know, like a nine year old kind of like fake Bart Simpson kid and like his generic kind of dad. Mm -hmm. He's not like a total idiot, but it's a sort of kind of vague character. Classic trope. 
Yeah, classic bad boy kit. You know what I mean? Like had like a shape for a shirt. Like it wore like a triangle shirt or something. You know, just like a triangle. That's it's pretty cool, really, actually. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, spiky hair, you know, like Bart's, but it but it was not just growing out of his skin. It was, it was actually I drew it like real hair. You know, hmm. that I wasn't trying to one up Bart. No, but an early influence on your work. And then I had Harold the Hedgehog, where he's his owner. I can't remember. He had some guy that's <laughs> owner. Of Harold is like a, it was like an Alvin and the Chipmunks thing, and Harold would break a uh, you know uh, vase or something, and then it was like Harold. <laughs> there would all be some voice coming out of the other room. I can't remember what the Dave Seville guy's name was, but Harold, Harold the, Hedge- the Hedgehog. Well, when does I, I'm making an assumption here, but when does um, Mad Magazine come into your life? You know, like regular kid age like nine ten you know what i mean you sort of become aware of mad because some you know old people seem to like revere it and it was still in black and white yeah 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 before they went to color yeah i mean i got into mad because it was in the it was in the like grocery store or whatever yeah you know while like my parents would be grocery shopping i would just like pick up mad or cracked or whatever cracked was the first thing that really caught my attention yeah yeah yeah. bugged me out because I, i i knew mad mad you know, th- there's like this thing about Mad when you're a kid where you can sense. I mean, I'm sure it isn't this way. You know, once it went to color, it kind of changed a little bit. The personnel was still sort of, you know, the usual gang of babies. You know, all those people started, all those old Jewish guys started to die off. But like when you're a kid reading Mad and you're reading, you know, Kaputnik and his doctor, it's like an old <laughs> Jewish guy and his doctor. Yeah, it's that's like great. these people writing these comics. I didn't for understand. 13 so year old kid, it. you know, you're just like, wow, this old Jewish guy and his doctor, and he doesn't want to go on a diet. This is great. <laughs> yeah. it, but it's this is like dusty old sense of humor or something. Do you remember those insane song parodies in the back oh, of Matt? Oh, God. Yes, of course. Well, also, the thing about Matt, I mean, it was wicked I, highlights. I discovered Matt at the library when I was about that same age, and, you know, just the dark humor and the sarcasm. You yeah, know, I mean, to it's me, so it's influential, like, but I can sort of, like, my sensibility of, like, comics or whatever in terms of, like, um, you know, underground comics, I just am drawn to the voices, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really care. I like the medium, but I really love, like, cartooning as a personal form of expression, really. And, like, when, yeah. when an artist is able to sort of translate themselves through that, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's, like, really crude and sort of uninhibited or it's, like very fussed over, you know, um, and obsessive. Uh, I just find it to be the most revealing, like how you draw the human face, how you draw something in the background, what you decide to put in a frame, how you pace a story. Like everything is pretty, you know, it's all a fucking, uh, it's like movies in that way. Whereas there's a level of auteurism with some, if it's just a dude in a pen, you know, it's just a lot, mm-hmm. there's just a lot more going on than a movie with 40 people working on it. You know, the fingerprint is just like, it just sort of connects right to the reader in this way that, you know, a a single voice. And Mm -hmm. those are the voices that always grab me. So it was like Klaus, Bag, you know, uh, Peter Bag, Daniel Klaus, uh, Joe Matt. um, And and so did you like seek a lot of these people out? I mean, did you have like a sort of Wallace style mentor, if Wallace could be called that um no but i knew a lot of cartoonists i knew mm-hmm. like I, I there was a comic store like around the same time as i was like sort of interested in like the film you know like the rep scene and everything of movies and you know um sort of like even film production and some of the sort of like more interesting mumblecore type new york 
things going on that the Safties were doing and Ronnie's, you know, when Frown Lane came out and stuff. Like, within that time, I was, like, also pretty enamored with, like, underground comics and becoming interested in that because I couldn't get into superhero comics. You know what I mean? I liked Mad and I liked everybody who was influenced by Mad that just, like, made fun of everything and didn't give a shit, you know? But but uh, there was a comic store that opened up called Rocket Ship in Brooklyn uh, off the Smith Street stop. And that was, like, the first independent comic store that really kind of championed graphic novels and, you know, just the, the fantagraphics, the great, all the great fantagraphics, like 80s and 90s artists and everything, and the current crop of people, Top Shelf, and all these different, you know, uh, alternative comics press, like all these different companies, and really supported those artists and would have parties, you know, in support of people's new books and Sam Henderson and all these different great cartoonists that I like would come through. Mark Newgarden, who created the Garbage Pail Kids, Drew Friedman, you know. And these were people who, like, worked on Mad, too. They worked at Tops, you know, the yeah. bubblegum company, and designed all these insane things for Tops in the 80s to sort of stay kind of, like, kind of nuts and appealing. You know, they were all these kind of, like, wise-ass SVA kids that had, had studied with Harvey Kurtzman, who created Mad at, at mm-hmm. uh, Kaz, the cartoonist Kaz, who did Underworld. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but anyway, you, yeah, there was, I was, like, 14 hanging out with all these people. Were and, you feeling, like, pretty starstruck by them? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I... I um, I don't know. There, it was just nice to be around artists who had found their own voices and figured it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At whatever level, whether they were just sort of printing it themselves and it was being sold, like yeah, you know, yeah. Un, you know, underneath the counter, or they had a new graphic novel and it was actually had some steam behind it. Like I remember they had a signing for um at a lesbian bar and I couldn't get in, and it was for a book called Fun Home. Uh-huh. Oh, Fun Home is a great book. Yeah, and they like supported that girl's thing, but I was like, two, I was fourteen or fifteen or something when that came out, so it was like, uh, it was a I very couldn't get pre- into the gay bar. It was a prestige time for alternative comics releases too, because you know, on the opposite side of this country, like every time there was New Comic Book Day or like a big book from Fantagraphics, like a nice book that you would definitely want to pick up of some new work. Um, I would go to Meltdown on Sunset, and that was like the place to get all those things. And I remember it always being like a big event when you got this like prized possession. And so it's, it's an interesting thing. Like you could make the argument that the last time that comic book artists were revered in that way and got that level of celebration, promotion, institutional support, financial support was like at this very important time in your life when you're a young artist kind of understanding like how you're going to interpret the world and through what medium. The reverence that your mentor hero character in the very beginning says like the reverence when he refers to mad magazine is like the best place for his students work. Yeah. His whole thing. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is, this could be in mad magazine. Like the way he's talking about it, it's like, he's talking about the Louvre, you know? Yeah. Or like, yeah. New Yorker, or, you know, yeah. the Algonquin round table yeah. is the usual gang of idiots. The absolute yeah. acme of achievement for a cartoonist in your universe of this film. And, and evidently in your heart too, is mad magazine. You know? Yeah, and what's funny is when we filmed that Mad Magazine was still a possibility, and I was hoping I could still be published by oh Mad or God. something if the movie fell through. But it, but uh, then years of editing that scene, and then you know Mad folds all yeah. this stuff. And you're like, wow, you damn! Know? I never thought it would happen. Mad folded in. Can you believe it? I couldn't believe it. Well, Maybe you well, can bring it back when the movie is like a blockbuster. Did you not get my pun? Success. Oh yeah, folded, folded in. in. Oh. oh man, bleak. Oh. Thank you, Al Jaffe. Over a hundred. Still alive. Over a hundred. Wow. Still alive. Um, 
Yeah, but, those but, guys but, live but, forever. But you, knew, you knew Mad was on the way out when they started running advertising. Oh, true. Well, yeah, because and it that, used to be fake ads. That was exactly, the whole thing. and that was, was like, to me that was the fake ads were like really important. I know. Yeah, once you're yeah. seeing a Twinkie, right? Like, 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 don't believe in advertising. Like, this is. I know it, exactly. It teaches you a lot about media yeah, literacy. Don't trust basically. anything. Yeah. Mad's whole thing was like, don't yes. trust anything. Everybody's a schmuck. Everybody's exactly. lying. You're trying to sell something. Exactly. To you. Like, don't be a schmuck. Exactly. You know, that's like the whole, and just making fun of everything. So I think like that head. when they started accepting real advertising like that, that's when they really sold out. And that yeah, was yeah, the yeah. sort of beginning of the end for them. But I br- I'm bringing in a topic because I do want to bring in this topic now. It's time to introduce <laughs> uh-huh. it because like when okay. I was a kid, new the topic. thing that I, the topic of the night is not a new topic. It's okay. actually related. Oh, sorry, sorry, it's sorry. a corollary. I'm okay. not just like, shut the fuck up. New Side topic. topic. <laughs> Side topic. <laughs> Side topic. Uh, you know, I brought in this, you know, you were saying if we're going to have some cool people call in, blah, blah, blah. Later. Yeah, yeah. I came in with the uh, <laughs> la, 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 kinda, la, la, I was like, let's get like a call in topic and put it out on yeah, social call media. Call in topic. And call yeah. in. Which then, that then didn't happen. Derringer had some cool ones. Mine were cooler. No, I'm, yeah. you had some good ones. I, I, I came up late. with the one of like, what was the first, like, not R, PG 13 R, whatever movie that you saw that you were like too young to see and weren't supposed to see in your. It doesn't have to necessarily be that you. You didn't get it, or it was things over your head, but that's definitely a bonus, you know? We're going to call up Adam Resnick, because we didn't have enough time to put out a call-in prompt, we decided that we're going to call people. What, 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 what does he have to do with your movie? Oh, nothing. <laughs> well, we well maybe Adam Resnick was <clears throat> an influence on you or something. Oh, absolutely. Well, so. he's, he's like, uh, well, he's... Oh, do you want to explain to anybody. the listeners who Adam, Adam Resnick, Resnick is, The great Adam Resnick. He, uh, he was uh, a great 80s Letterman writer. He wrote every great uh, Chris Elliott character alongside him, Guy Under the Seats, uh, Chris Elliott Jr. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, uh, you know Marlon Marlon Brando oh. with the banana the banana dance, all of that stuff. We have Adam Resnick to thank. He was one of the greatest Letterman writers. And how he did you get a life? He gave Charlie Kaufman a career with that sitcom. He gave that's right. He uh, directed the Great Cabin Boy. Very devoted to Chris Elliott. He wrote the film Death to Smoochie. Great, film. very very oh, dark shit. film on the page. Yeah. Uh, Etc. And we're gonna and we're gonna call him. Oh, up. and he produced the fucking Larry Sanders show in the oh last two God. seasons. Nice. He doesn't have any good right. stories about Gary. Uh, though. It's fun to talk about that. It's all right. Can we ask him about? I'm gonna I'm gonna push the call button. Hit the call button, all bro. Right. And he should be able to hear all of us. Okay. This is gonna be a cacophony for him. Yes, it will be. Yeah, yeah. Squawking Let's files. just pretend we're one. Squawking cinephiles. That's right. So perverse. Every year, time you hear that sound. How old is this guy? Prank call sound. Old school. The beginning of a prank call sound. <laughs> hey. Hey. Hey, it's me. Owen. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Um, should I just hit you with the big one? What's, what was the movie? <laughs> what was the R-rated movie that you've been holding over my head here that you, you saw well, at too early an age? Well, what, what was yours, Owen? I'm still figuring that out. I mean, it was a couple, it was a couple things. Mine, mine, really? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, probably, well, like, mine is probably like Animal House or something. What was yours? Well, wait a minute. Why would Animal House, well, yeah. I can see myself being unimpressed by that at an early age, but that's interesting. <laughs> no, <laughs> my, uh, you know, mine, when you, when you asked me about this, if I wanted to, uh, to come on and, and, and talk about the movie that I shouldn't have seen when I was my first R rated movie, I was like, wow, that's a big one for me. Cause I was nine and my dad wanted to, uh, 
thought we were going to see this action movie, and uh, that action movie that he took me to was Deliverance. Oh, <laughs> so, oh my wow. God. Yeah. Wow. He, he, yeah, he, I know. It was like, a, he obviously didn't vet that one. He just thought that look, it was like, I know some action movie about some guys, you know, you know, going down a river in canoes. But, um, so that was a toughie because, you know, when I was nine, I already had like enough shit on my mind. I didn't need deliverance. (laughs) Did you understand like what was happening? Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, When you see something like that, even though you've never thought about anything like that, you understand almost instantly. (laughs) It's kind of disturbing. Um, sure. but it was, uh, yeah, no. So that one was that it, I, that really did have like sort of a, uh, a lingering effect on me a lot. So, what, and what, I find that, yeah. What is your, what does your dad say after the movie? He didn't expect that. He didn't know. He goes, I mean, he said something like, well, he said one thing that I can't say, but, <laughs> I, but to, to paraphrase, it was sort of like, well, it was a hell of a movie till that one part, you know. But, <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I, this is just going to expose my age. You know, I grew up with a program called Rugrats, and there was an episode where some bully goes, I'm going to make you squeal like a piggy. And I kind of threw around that phrase a little bit, and then one day, like, an adult called me on it and was like, you don't, you know, that's just one Do you know where that comes with. from? Yeah. I've heard that joke in numerous children's programs, too. It was in Rocco, if I'm not mistaken. So much fun. Really? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a catchphrase. And so, it's, well, they're showing that a choky chicken is the restaurant in that I kid's I mean, come cartoon. on. I think that Ned Beatty, I think I saw an interview with Ned Beatty once where he had said that, um, that, I mean, poor guy. I mean, that's what people would always yell out to him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, God. Why did he turn yeah. out the way he did? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You um, showed me but, the uh, fortune. I still have your Blu-ray of the fortune. I've come around to Oh, yeah, and I, 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 I would consider that, uh, as they call an underrated gem. I think there's a lot to like in that movie, and I like uh, Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson. Warren Beatty especially is really funny comic performance in that movie. Well, what's her yeah, name, Mike though? Michael. I always forget that woman's name. What's that one? Oh, uh, Dr. Channing? Yeah, that's kind of, that's, yeah, that's the only I kind of only know her from that movie. Yeah. She's actually kind of funny, too. I mean, She's in Grease. If you guys like her, you should check out this movie, Grease. Yeah. Never seen it. It's got a lot of old music Grease. in it. You might like it. I've seen Grease 2. <laughs> Grease 2 superior the picture. No. The best no. part of Grease, I think, is Eddie Deason, the disgraced Eddie Deason. I like the Beatles School Dropout number with Frankie Valli. What do you think of Eddie Deason, Adam? Would you work with him? Well, I, well wait, why did you say disgraced? I only know Eddie Deason from what? 19, he was like one of the funnier parts of 1941. I know. What, I want to hold your hand. He was in that, right? Yeah, he was in that. He was in Midnight Madness. Did, he, did something happen to Eddie Deason? He's in fucking jail. Yeah, what jail. happened? Why is he, what? Oh, oh no. I met Eddie Deason. How did he get in a how did that happen? I met Eddie Deason at the Chiller, the Chiller Convention. The same one the that you met with Chiller Convention. Yeah, not oh the same God. one. <laughs> same convention, but not I'm the in same a room year. With, I'm in the room there in one of these hotel rooms, you know, like in a weird, you know. In Pennsylvania or in, somewhere. In uh, New Jersey, the Sheraton Hotel in New Jersey. And there's <laughs> Fancier than Eddie, I Eddie Deason sitting there, and he's like obsessed with um, the Beatles and Hitler. I know these are like the two things he's is obsessed with. Is that why he's World in jail? Can I tell you something? That's where, by the way, that's where Eddie Deason and I line up. But go ahead. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you a Beatles head? Well, I mean, oh, well, I don't know. The Beatles, it's the Beatles. You just but, blew uh, your cover. Yeah, World War II and Hitler. Yeah, I, I, I know. I love, I love the Beatles. No, he's, yeah. he, 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 uh, he, yeah, they're uh, good bands, actually. You, know, you and I mostly talk about pre war jazz, so it's just funny for you to be like, Beatles and Hitler. I love that. Yeah. Poor Eddie Deason. Yeah. What a rough yeah. life Whoa. he had. 
he tried. He did good work. I think you're right that he's the best part of 1941. What a stinker that is. Yeah, yeah, he was sort of like his performance in that was kind of almost like a throwback to like a 30s screwball comedy character or something. It's like a Sterling but, uh, Holloway almost. Think about it, he did 1941. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was with her. Uh, like he did 1941 guy, you know? and uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand. He's made. Right. He did the Beatles thing. He did the the, 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 Hitler, the Hitler thing. thing. You don't he's think good. that's why he's obsessed with that stuff? Or you he think can it's go to yeah, passion? Was he in Boys from Brazil still? Uh, Boys from Brazil. What is that again? That's Nazi the Nazi movie. kid the Nazi movie. Nazi clone baby. I never got there to Boys in Brazil. I only go. got to Boys in the Bay. How do you not know that one? You would love this movie. No, I used to work at a video store and I'd see Boys from Brazil and I I was like, I should watch the Friedkin one first, which in front of it, Boys in the Band, you know? That's no, also I, a great I, film. I, that one I don't has nothing. Movie. I don't love it. The only thing they do there, Boys from Brazil is a pretty fun movie. Gregory Peck is over the top in a fun way. And mm. uh, I, yeah, I, I remember that being a pretty good movie, Boys from Brazil. You know, there is an actual Beatles Hitler movie called All This in World War Two. Do you guys know about what? that? What? Do they What's fight that? Hitler? Produced by that like a, was that a movie Fox? a bunch of bands contributed music or something to it? Yeah, uh, so it's, I mean, it's I a totally I never saw baffling it. and inexplicable film, but it's like a, basically just like a, a, you know, I guess you would call it now, like a found footage film of World War II newsreel footage of like, you know, Nazis marching around and, you know, planes <laughs> dropping bombs on shit and, you know, whatever, <laughs> soundtracked by a bunch of Beatles covers by like the hottest bands. And who made that movie? Huh. I don't remember the name of the director. Huh. Edward um, Deason. Edward G. Deason. I tried to book it a couple years ago and we got a yes. And I was like, holy shit, we're getting a We can finally show this. Of this. And then like someone at, you know, some alarm bell went off at like the studio and they're like, no, 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 no we can't allow them to do this film. Oh yeah, because the rights with yeah. the music and everything. It's no one can know this nightmare. was ever made. Yeah. You know who probably Eddie Deason. You know who probably Eddie Deason was modeling himself off in his mind? in 1941 is Eddie Bracken. Eddie Bracken? Who's he? What was he in? He's in a ton of the best yeah. Preston Sturgis movies. He's the kind of dweeby guy. He's in like Hail on the Conquering Hero and Miracle Morgan's Creek and a bunch of them. I'm sure if I oh, saw yeah, him, I'd yeah, be like, I oh, that guy. He's one of those guys. Bracken. He's an Eddie. Bracken. Yeah, an Eddie. A classic. Yeah. yeah. yeah poor... Uh... I'm sorry this had to devolve into uh, Eddie Deason. Eddie Deason. Exactly where it was meant to to land. Um, All right. Well, I'll let you go, Adam. All right. um, Thanks for having me on, Owen. Nice talking to you. uh, All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. 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 Thanks, Adam. Thank you. That was fun. What about about the other great comic book movie, Crumb? Oh, yeah. Speaking of 78s. Oh, yeah. When did you see Terry Zweigoff's Crumb? I was about 14 years old. That's <laughs> <laughs> the time I saw it, too. And I, you know, like, it was just one of those things, like, I just was a fan of the comics that I was able to get access to at that time, which were, you know, it was like I was dipping into the sketchbooks, like the superhero comic store in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, had, had uh, you know, uh, Hop and Weirdo and stuff. And I was, like, right. all excited to see a movie about you this, know, guy. this guy and his work, and it was about his family, and I didn't yeah. know it because it just came... I just rent, you know, took a, like my video store, you know, took a day to get it in their basement or whatever. And they dragged it out. And I was like, I, I, I remembered like not really having any context for the movie. It was just yeah. one of those things, you know? And, uh, you know, soon his brother, you know, I'm thinking watching a movie about crumb and it's, it's about his brother dragging a piece of, you know, sneaker cloth, like through his intestines yes. and everything. 
Sitting on a bed of nails. Sitting on a bed of nails. Uh, speaking yeah. of seeing molesting Ohio well, anyway, Zone. Never, never, yeah. you, you see the movie, everybody. I don't want no spoilers. Don't spoil crumbs. Yeah, no spoilers. Seen it. But speaking of, <laughs> of good seeing stuff in this crumb, movie, seeing Crumb as a fourteen-year-old. Do you hope that Funny Pages, you know, reaches the the youth of America? Like, do you, I was just talking about this. I don't know if yeah. it's legally appropriate for me to say that. I hope like a fifteen-year-old kids or fourteen-year-old kids, totally like, who wants legal. to draw, like you know, it's a Charles totally yeah. appropriate Schultz, movie like, for a teenager. I think you know, a seven-year-old should see it. Some it, kid who's into like Diary of the Wimpy Kid and does it, <laughs> Peanuts is going to see this movie and it's going to like Perks decimate. No way. Yeah. There's a moment. Wait, what are the young? Does people? what does it have a rating? R. It's R. That's R? why we're really? talking R. Why is it yeah. R? Why? You see peepee. Yeah. You see a peepee in it. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, there's a penis. That's right. I remember. Spoiler I remember alert. <laughs> I think there are some F-bombs. I think teenagers can see that stuff. Who cares? It's not a real penis. It's the tip of a penis, really. Oh, really? It's, it's a, a it's tip a of a hard, ma- old... <laughs> so many good spoilers. I don't want to ruin people's experience. Yeah, no, yeah, if people yeah. know that, people then they're going to rush out and it's going to be, they're like going to carpet bomb the theaters. Yeah, they're going to say, oh, there's, yeah. I heard there's penis this. in this movie. So yeah. what? Just, the whole movie, they're going to be occupied wondering. <laughs> when, when the penis when is going to show up. Yeah, yeah. When the tip of an old man's penis is going to show up. Yeah. That's going to be our worst. Yeah. I got to say, I really liked the... Uh, and the meat. I got to say, with your movie, the casting was so good. It's so good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean... Ron Rifkin? Man, yeah. how did so you know that get, is there a story behind like Louise Lasser in the film? Louise Lasser is an interesting story. Well, I, I, um, you know, so I made this movie about Joe Franklin mm-hmm. with yeah. Andy Lampert, whatever, ten years ago, and uh, I've seen I spent it. a lot and of time at the Joe Lampert Franklin office in the film as well. Z- is in the Joe Franklin movie. Yeah, she is. not in my. Not yeah, in no, the no, future, no, yeah, 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 yeah. In, in, in the short, there is a Joe Franklin reference that's very tender, though. Thank it's you. like such yeah. a really sweet moment, and the, the whole movie is like a much sweeter ghost world to me. I think. Wow. In the tradition of comic book movies and coming of age, like it's the l- less cynical young comic book person movie. Yes. Yeah, the movie got, is optimistic. Like the kid is very up. optimistic. That's what he has going for him, I think. He just believes in his dream and like he's so he's so guileless in a way. Like when the way I, he attaches himself to Wallace is just so full of hope, you know. I also think like it, if you instead of Scarlett Johansson you had Miles you know, would have been a very different a, film. Such a better film. And now, I love Miles you know, in this movie. Well, yeah, oh, but the Louis Lasser. Yeah. I want oh, to yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Louise. Louise Lasser. Uh, the Louise Lasser connection. She she had, so there was this weird building, the Broadway Arts Center or whatever. I would go visit Joe Franklin all the time in his, his insane office. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it was just like a this insane pack rat office and it was an open door to all of, you know, low rent show business basically. But around the corner from this office, Louise Lasser taught Meisner. She had a Meisner class, you know, and it's Louise Lasser was in an improv troupe directed by Elaine May with Peter Boyle and all these people in the 60s. That lineage you know, the third year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she worked with Sanford Meisner. She worked with, you know, she's in the first, you know, she's like a first five generation Woody Allen movies as the, you that, know, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So Louise was around the, the, the corner from that office. Years later, I didn't get to know her then, you know, I, she was wheelchair bound, but I was I'd see her there and, you know, but years later, like after I directed the first batch of, of the movie, I was like, I really need to learn a, like a, the actual, you know, lang- like language of how to talk to a fucking actor. Like, you know, I, I can instinctually act kind of, but like I can't, you, you know, like learn I don't the trade. Yeah, I got to actually know how to talk to an actor so you don't give them a stupid direction. You know, after I'd already been doing it, but I just I just wanted to sort of be in that position. So I she taught out of her she taught for many years out of her um 
her Upper West Side apartment, you know, and it was like the kind of thing. It's like a small little class of people. You give her a little money in an envelope every month and you go and you, you repeat, you know, you do the repetition exercise and she's sort of doing the repetition exercise, a version of it in our mm-hmm. scene where they did a lot of weird repetition when they're just kind of like locking gaze, you know, locking. it's really physical, gaze. like uh, in a weird way, the way they do all that stuff. Like you have to train the mouth in this, like, not like a vaudevillian way, but like you have to train your, they call it the instrument, right? To train the your instrument. instrument. Well, it's interesting though. It was like, but like you your know. mouth, your jaws, like your whole face, like that's the training. Like it's less yeah. about like, I'm going to mm. gain all this weight for this part and more about like, I'm going to hone my face into a machine. So I Owen, think, Owen, yeah. you took her class. I took her class yeah. for like three years oh while I was editing the movie and trying to, you know, figure my life out. But yeah, I was like, I was wow. working with Louise and um, she like taught me, I mean, beyond just, performance or something it actually made me less afraid of performance in general but but beyond that the connectivity that meisner was kind of going for with the repetition exercise a lot of people don't really understand the repetition is you're kind of like throwing a ball back and forth with somebody but it's about the pinch in the out she called it so it's like if i you know it's like i i have to pinch you you're gonna ouch you know like you have to everything has to be a reaction acting is Mm. reacting in some way Mm. it's helped my writing it's helped everything it's sort of like it just has to grow i have to look at you and just start with an observation you got to get out of yourself and you go like even if it just starts with like you look tired and you're like i'm like i look tired yeah you look tired and then you know Mm. it just keeps going i look tired yeah you look tired i look tired you're annoyed by this i'm annoyed by this and it has to grow and eventually you know just going to stop you and go, wait, you didn't get that from him. You know what I mean? Now you're, now you're just acting and it's bullshit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the best way I could explain it. Interesting. And so then you were just like, that was that for years. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, two times a week for hours, you know, mm-hmm. and you just like go into the ring. It's, and it was, um, it was a very weird kind of, you're just, it's like, um, it felt a little bit like the master, those scenes where you kind of walk through mm-hmm. walls or whatever, sure, you know, yeah, it yeah, felt yeah. a little like that <laughs> where there's like this master person there. That's actually kind of like really paying close attention to every little, you know, molecule of what's with the chemistry in the room. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's entirely about actually connecting to the other person and not performing in something and seeing it grow and, and reacting. I don't know. Yeah. Reacting. Yeah. Wow. And so then you were just like, hey, want to be in the Want to be in my movie? movie? <laughs> well, she saw, yeah, she saw me. I was just, yeah. she knew I was working on this thing and cranking at it for a long time and struggling with it. And, and uh, like I wrote a part for her that where she just fit kind of perfectly right in the story. And uh, I just was, you know, I, I, she didn't want to do the, um, the Mary Hartman braids. Because I, I really had this idea that that character. She would be really recognizable if she did the braids. Because it took me a second. And I was like, I know that voice. Yeah, <gasps> I'm kind of glad in the end that she didn't, but there's something to me about that character. So, like, you know, after at the end of Mary Hartman, or she has like a nervous breakdown in the last couple of seasons. Like, I loved the idea that like Mary Hartman could have ended up like just like broken down at some New Jersey pharmacy. And, yeah. You know, I just felt, I don't know. It's part it of the Mary Hartman expanded universe. Yeah. And the Fernwood Tonight expanded universe yeah. by extension, right? Yeah. Yeah. I never got too into Fernwood. I like it. I've never tried. I've been mean to rewatch Mary Hartman because I know somebody else who is right now. Let's Uh, go back to the cast for a second because I think there's one question that I feel like everyone um, who's seen your movie has asked about the cast, which is um, the dudes from Uncut Gems. There's the one guy, but not the brother. And everyone's like, where's the brother? We shot that stuff with Mitchell before Uncut Gems. Really? Damn. So the brother was not... 
yet a super talent. Established. <laughs> um, Very interesting. But he, uh, Mitchell, uh, wow, Mitchell is fascinating. And you want to hear something really crazy is the day after I inserted the big, the first thing in the movie, the first sound you hear in the movie is Hambone by Red Saunders and the Hambone Kids. Mm-hmm. It's just a great rhythm and blues novelty record, you know, on OK. Great record label. Yeah. <laughs> great label. Right for years, yeah. Big Bill Brunsy from Big Bill Brunsy in the huge run. Let's, yeah, not, let's, run. Not, take that let's not get back to seventy eight okay. anyway. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this Please. was a forty five. Okay, it's not a seventy eight. <laughs> and it was and uh, whatever. Uh, like I, I was, I don't know. I was selling some records to 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 Mitchell because he like can't source stuff. He doesn't have the internet and this and yeah. that. And you know, he asked me for Hambone the day after I inserted in the movie. He's like Hambone, but he's like of all the records you could like ask me for. He wanted Hambone, and I just put it at the top of the movie. He wasn't even amazed by this. He was just like, oh, yeah, I had the record when I was a kid. It was on the Sandy Becker show, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was the theme song to this kitty show, this tri-state kitty show called Sandy Becker. And uh, that's Mitchell. Mitchell uh, was best friends with Johnny Ramone. Ooh. And they mm. were like, he's like an autograph hound. Yeah. So they both are obsessed with autographs and would trade autographs with each other. And he'd go visit him in his East Village place until, you know, um, you know, until he was asked to leave. But they would, you know, trade, uh, you know, I, 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 Johnny had like a ton he's of like Elvis one of the, he's shit one of the and guys like that Reagan would be, shit and jukeboxes. He and, would be hanging outside the, right. the stage door in King of Comedy. Like when I think about who are those people and Mitchell. like where do they come from? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. those kinds of guys. Well, he has interesting obsessions, Mitchell. But yeah. one of them is... Um, Patty Smythe. Oh, yeah. He's like obsessed with Patty Smythe and has like hundreds of autographs from her. Every time she plays in New York, he's like, hey, I went to the, was at the Patty Smythe's concert. Not Patty night. Smith, wow. but Patty Smythe. No, well, uh, what's the band? Uh, you know, the Warrior. You know, I am the Warrior. What's that band? The Rumor? No, that's Graham Parker. What the fuck is that? I thought, what's Patty Smythe's band? Whatever. I thought it was just. He's a Patty Smythe head. Patty Smith? Patty Smythe. No, Patty Smythe. No, not Patty Smith. Patty Smythe. No, 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 not. There's a separate person named Patty Smith. I know, I know. Warrior. Sorry. I am. John Darren While we're on the music topic, I'm not going to talk about 78s, but what was the- Scandal! What was the clearance like for for getting um, Dave the Spaz on the radio? Because I love that, too. Like, the the fact that he's in- Both times he's in a car, he's only listening to Dave the Spaz. Yeah, I mean- But it's like like, the right time of night, too. Like, you nailed the time slot, which I thought was so fucking good. Thank you. Because, like, of course, if this guy's driving around in suburban New Jersey in, like, an old Corolla, and it's between the hours of nine and midnight on a Thursday, what the fuck is he going to be listening to? Music to Spaz by. Gotta be. The only show on the air at that time. WFMU. And, yeah, I mean, I just grew up- Did you get the clearance from FMU to do it? I got the clearance from Dave. Does he, oh, do they like own all their shows? To the DJ. You called him, right? On the phone? <laughs> I just I bet you called him, him on the phone. I wrote him. I don't have his number, but I mean, Dave, he's in the Norton family. Of course, oh, that's right. He's also a big Mets fan. Yeah. He's uh, a big Mets fan, and mm-hmm. he's a big fan of chimps dressed as uh, people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he's, a, he's like obsessed with it. He loves he's that. Anthropomorphic chimps is like his sort of like. It's kind of a motif in his work. Like yeah, every the show episode. Is a lot of monkey sounds. But he does the same. He does the same gag every show too with the Ming vase. I love that. Every yeah, episode yeah, yeah. he does that. I love when the monkeys are going crazy behind him when he's doing the IDs. The best is the traffic <laughs> report in Greater Ape City in Kokomo. <sighs> yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, Forbidden the Kokomo Zone. Junior, and he's like, <laughs> you know, like 
Yeah, you can get it. But he's writing a book on Sammy Petrillo, the greatest Jerry Lewis imitator. Oh yeah, he's been working on this for a Forever. long time though. Yeah, wow. and he he runs a pretty good, pretty pretty tight ship on Facebook about the Sammy Petrillo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, I, think, I think the thing I've learned from this podcast on episode is that all the real shit goes down on Facebook. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. you that's where all the no real. Idea. That's where the old heads are. No that's where all idea. the real fringe shit. Paul Schrader. I mean, I any decent. I dropped off private Facebook on twenty twelve, and I'm really missing out. On oh all my god! Well, I best. got my burner on Facebook, but like all, all the <laughs> send fucking me some shit. Send me some shit. There's like 78 groups of people trading. It it's makes just sense. fun to yep. look at this shit and just like people losing old people, their head. old people are on Facebook. It makes sense. It's oh their god. Tumblr. Oh yeah. my god! It's it's where they live journal. Mm. These people. These marathon posts. These people. These people. These people. I mean. The Sammy they Petrillo blog. They're blogging Society. on Facebook. You don't yeah. get that. You don't get Sammy Petrillo content anywhere else on the internet besides Facebook. Well, the other thing I wanted to say, speaking of computers, is I really respected in your movie that you, um, I think twice at least, you gave um, some space, a little shout out to Open Office. The word processor. The, the word processor? Office. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. We just had some. Very prominent. Yeah. Actually. We just had some crappy PC. And yeah, that, it's actually really funny like that was like one of those elements where you showed up and we didn't know what the hell we were going to do with the transcribing and we got it in the inserts and we just had daniel usually be somebody like you know i did like the inking for the johnny ryan drawings and stuff uh-huh. and use my left hand because the character's a lefty or whatever but like usually it would be somebody else doing the typing or whatever we we're doing like some close-up insert on the computer but it was daniel and it was really funny daniel started the way he was typing was so berserk because he had to write it all fast because it's they're acting the scene in the background yeah. you know just for him to actually kind of act with the keyboard and like the typos how fast he had to write in order for all the stuff that wallace was saying like just the worst typing ever <laughs> i, I ri- wish i had actually included more of just some of these like caps down caps like spelling errors like craziness we were just <laughs> laughing so much like the idea of like how incompetent like she's hired this kid because he can draw her i yeah. don't know Whatever, that's not that interesting, but it's funny. We didn't talk about Johnny Ryan, actually. Do you want to? Yeah, how'd that happen? Yeah, behind me, I'm looking at a heavy metal metal parking lot. How'd Johnny Ryan end up in your movie? So, so, yeah, I I was actually curious about lots of the art in your film. Johnny, you told us pre show that, or maybe it was on the show, I don't remember, but some of the art is yours, childhood drawings. Yeah, just some of the crappy, like, kids' comics that he does, you Mm -hmm. know, you see for a split second. But the, the, um, the Johnny connection, I wrote to Johnny. To angry, there was like a letters page in Angry Youth. Mm-hmm. I wrote one issue with that Al Jaffe wrote into too. It was kind of cool. Wow! And when I was like Legends. a teenager, like fourteen, and I wrote to him. Fourteen was like how, a big year for you. You did a lot. Yeah, when you I were did 14. a lot. I was fourteen. The same cool. year as Anthology, I was writing Angry Youth comics or whatever. I don't know what year that was. <laughs> you were interning at Anthology with Robert Haller, writing into Johnny Ryan, or John, Johnny Ryan's comic. Uh, yeah, I mean, Watching this has sort of been my movies. life since yeah. I was like fourteen. I don't know what. Of the, course, you made this film, Owen. It had to happen. It had to happen. But Johnny. So I wrote into Johnny and being like, you know, like this is so funny, like. I got to ask my history teacher about the great Irish pussy famine or whatever, <laughs> you know? And I was like, keep being fucked up. Owen Klein, 14 years old. Cause I knew we'd get a reaction out of him, yeah. you know? And maybe I was egged on by the rocket ship comics people, but I don't know. But anyway, like he published it. And then years later I met him at like a desert Island signing or whatever. And I was mm-hmm. getting the new issue signed. And I was like, I wrote into your comic. He's like, Oh, wait a minute. You're that kid who jerks off in the squid in the way. Right. He's like, this perfect kind of like Johnny Ryan, like, you know, just like talking to a, you know, then 18 year old. And he said, yes, that was me. Yes, sir. That was me. 
And then, and then years then later, he was drawing jerk off shit for my movie. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It all comes so full his, circle jerk, doesn't it? And is he jerk. on camera at all? Like his hand? Are there scenes of drawing? No, it's all. I, I, he penciled stuff that I would ink and he'd do stages basically. Oh, okay. So he'd like sort of pencil it and then scan the pencil and then like do stages of the inks. And then yeah, I sort yeah. of had to like connect the dots a little bit uh, of the stages. It was kind of a pain. And so there were scenes where. A real it's, pain it's after like you shoot a whole scene and then you have to do the inserts like that. And I'm like exhausted, like trying to draw the fucking. Yeah, yeah. It was a fucking nightmare. So it's not Daniel's hand, it's yours. It's my dumbass hand. And model. Oh. Director, writer, Maybe. and model. Who's that guy in Zoolander? It's what's his name? Oh, X Files. It's David Duchovny. It's David Duchovny, who's yeah. in love with uh, and in Larry Sanders. Who's in Larry Sanders, That's of right. course. He just said there's some this feeling I get. It's this warm feeling. And I usually get it from a woman. St- integral part of my of my youthful <laughs> understanding of the world was the the love affair. Between like the perfect, David and Larry in that show, but the way that he does it is so perfect. It's, like it's a perfect casting because yeah. he just it's it's um I don't know. Duchovny just has like this weird kind well, and of also sadness was, and how he's explaining his emotions. But is he so was doing funny. like Red Shoe Diaries and shit at that time, and he was in that movie The Rapture, so he had kind of like a tragic erotic sensibility about him at that time in his. I think career. he might still have a tragic erotic sensibility in well, his personal it, life. Wasn't as well, he a too. sex addict? Yeah, he was a sex addict. Oh, that's tragic and erotic. I don't know. I, I can't tell. There's a... Yeah, I guess. Yeah. This guy. This guy fucks. No, I'm just I believe when he looks at Larry on that show, I'm like, find you a man that looks at you the way David Duchovny looks at. I know the way that the way that Duchovny looks at him. I mean, it really, uh, you I'm, know, when they're on the basketball court, you don't want uh, someone who looks at you the way Hank looks at Larry because that's just sad. Yeah. Are we supposed to wrap well, it up? Yeah. Okay. So what's but as we wrap up, everyone say one of their favorite things about. The new film, Funny Pages. Caroline, what's your one of many highlights? Ron Rifkin. Still. Every time he pops up in a movie, he's a joy. John Claxman. Favorite um, thing about Funny I, Pages. I really love the character. The guy the guy who runs the basement apartment. The oh, yeah. Basement apartment. Oh, yeah. I love his voice, so dude. Uh, Uncle, that, that, original Uncle Floyd. Or no, not original, but 90s Uncle Floyd cast member and a great one. That character is really great. Nice. He's, he's very I love funny. Him. I love him. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Athena, can we Tell ask him. you one yeah. one favorite thing about Funny Pages? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, well, it's it's probably the movie I've seen more than any other movie in my life at this point. Now. Really? Whoa. Yeah. What would you say is the <laughs> second most? No, I haven't seen it more than you. But um, I don't know. I almost feel like I'm too close to it. Um I don't want to like say, I don't know. I can't, this is too much. Okay. Yeah. John Derringer. Well, I just feel like we haven't really shouted out miles Emanuel. Oh, miles. Yeah, just talk know, about miles very, for a second. Oh my it's like God. This is like the, he has my favorite line in the movie. Probably yeah. the more, probably the hardest screen slate, like follower. And instantly recognize. I think he's goes to five most, movies a day. You're yeah, used to the most know. prolific you know, cinephile and has been for a long time. Anyone who's mm-hmm. listening to this, I'm sure has seen him, whether they're, you know, aware of it or not. Front know. row, long hair. Although I saw him at KGB bar maybe a month ago and does not have long hair. Why did he cut his hair? Well, Miles. You know, I just want to say when, when the film, uh, which is cool. He's looking good. When the film funny we'll pages premiered at the prestigious Cannes film festival, I saw some photos on Instagram of Miles giving a massage uh, to Emily Ratajkowski. And I just (laughs) wanted to acknowledge that Uh, being someone who goes to five repertory films a day, you know, that's like the path. 
you know, like that's how yeah. he, you know, he manifested it for none of those other cinemaniacs, not Bill Heidbrenner, not, uh, you know, Harvey, not Eugene Chadbourne's brother, Eric. None of these boys have rubbed Emrad's shoulders. Emrad's well, sho- Emrad? Emrad. Emrad's like shoulders. All these like incel dudes who were like, Emrata. Emrata. Oh, like, oh maybe if I get Chad surgery and, you know, make a bunch of money and get fancy cars, I could be, you know, nope. in the south of France, you know, massaging beautiful women. Nope. You got to go to like key. five movies a day at yeah. like the it's quad. Like, it's like who from Roger Rabbit. <laughs> you got to subscribe to yeah. screenslate.com. <laughs> This is you how know. you hack your way yeah. into Hollywood. You have to only, meet Owen Klein. Only 35 millimeter prints or yeah. 16 or, you know, only celluloid film screen. Yeah, yeah. No DCP. Yeah. Does he have that rule? He I don't did. Know, but. Miles' line in the movie, real quick. <laughs> they studied pork rinds at Harvard. Oh, wow. That, wow I love that line. I love that line so much. I think that came from Miles, maybe. He like, he ad-libbed that? Maybe. I can't remember. The way he that says it is just so like, always. so good. They studied pork rinds at Harvard. They did the study at Harvard. They studied pork rinds at Harvard. Yeah, he says it so genuinely. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, wow, really actually getting tricked there. Yeah, I prefer. I had well, to look it up. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wait, you had to look up what? Whether they rinds? did this like pork rind study at Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think things are getting okay. a little goofy. Right, yep. So we should probably uh, probably wrap things up. Who um, should we shout out before we bounce out of here? Well, I think there are some obscure 78 labels we didn't really address. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah right. we didn't talk about black didn't patties. We, shut up. I mean, we didn't uh, talk about... Well, I've got to go reflect on funny pages some more. Thank you. Um, and uh, Coming you know, out I just can't later wait until August 26th. When the film opens at Angelica Film Center. At the Walter Reed. Film at Lincoln Center. I think everyone should go see it. It'll be on my top 10 list at the end of the year. I was so Thank moved you. by your film. Yeah. It will also Thank be on mine And I would well. say in 10 years. And you really mean it when you say number one uh, on the top 10 list? Let's not get carried away. My, my, my list well, is on It's only August. What's it going to be? Game six of the be? World Series, baby. What's That's it gonna right. be? What's, That's right. That's right. Game six. LGM. Game six is gonna be big. Did game, you ever see the movie right. Game Six? It's sick. <laughs> I okay, want to. So, uh, I'm gonna. You want to wrap it up? Sorry, wrap it up. I gotta go home. Uh, You're at your house. <laughs> we're at your no, fucking we're, house. We're at Screen Slate HQ. Oh, John's gotta go order us some pizza. They're gonna right. know we want They're pizza. They're gonna know we want to eat pizza. <laughs> Owen, Owen, thank you for being on the Screen Slate podcast. Uh, we hope you'll come back. Oh, you have to come back, Owen. I'm not leaving. Okay. Cool. Owen lives here now. Well, I'm not leaving. We're gonna we're gonna keep it going. Uh, but y'all can fuck off. We're gonna keep talking. <laughs> Season two, right. baby. We'll, 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 we'll we've Perry learned call in or not. So many lessons <laughs> about, I don't know. All right. Ephemerality. A lot of name checks on this one. Big All Bill right. Brunzi. Oh, God, I oh love God. him now. Fade, fade out. I heard a great... Um... Thanks for listening to the Screen Slate Podcast. I'm your host, John Derringer. The co-hosts tonight have been Caroline Gollum and John Klaxman. And shout out to our very special guest, Owen Klein, and especially Adam Resnick for letting us call him up and harass him on a Tuesday night. If you want to hear more, you can visit patreon.com slash screen slate to sign up and become a member starting at three bucks a month. 
There's a great bonus episode where we get way more into Adam Resnick's career and Owen's interest in collecting 78 records and a lot of other fun stuff. And just a reminder that we are a non-professional publication with no full-time staff. So the Patreon is the way that we not only support the podcast, but our movie listings platform, paying writers, paying editors, honoraria. It's all thanks to listeners and readers like you. And lastly, I want to shout out our audio engineer, C. Spencer Ye, for being on deck and uh, editing through all of this rich conversation, which I hope you've enjoyed. All right, see you next time. <laughs>